Welcome to the Next Level Youth Group Podcast. We are a church youth group that believes in growing in Jesus Christ as a family. On this show, you will be able to become part of that family by joining us in our weekly sessions. Let's grow in Christ together. Amen. Who was here last week? Sweet, sweet. I want to read, I want to read our text from last week quickly. Galatians 6, 1-5 is where we focused Last week, and we, we for three weeks, we were in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. We're leaving that, okay? But last week, we wrapped up a three-part, three-week series, whatever you want to call it, called We're In This Together. All right, I want to read this to you really quickly. Galatians 6, 1 through 5. You'll know why in a second. It says this, Brother, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. We dug pretty deep into that last week. But there's something, there's someone, something that these five verses don't address that I believe needs to be addressed. Are you ready? All right, we're going to go there. Almost, so hold your horses. It's going to be okay. Here's the thing. What these five verses don't talk about is the response that someone has. Could you put, put verse 1 back up there for me? Josh had to really bear with me last week. I love you, Josh. Something we didn't talk about and something that those five verses don't discuss is this. What is the response of someone when you confront them about a sin that you've seen them commit. Or if someone comes to you and says, hey man, I saw you stumbling. I just want you to know I love you. But most importantly, Jesus loves you and I just want you to know you need to repent and turn to Jesus. If that happens to you, here's the question. What is your response? What will be your response? What has been your response to that in the past. When you're caught in transgression, you're caught in sin, you're caught red-handed, and someone confronts you out of brotherly love, like we talked about last week. I don't have time to dig back into that. Go back and listen on our podcast, Next Level Podcast, Spotify, Apple, all that stuff, iTunes, whatever. But here's the thing. we can To sum it up, to make it simple, there are two responses we can have when someone comes to us to confront us about a transgression that we've committed. Two responses. There is a godly response and there is a worldly response. There's a God and you're like, that sounds simple. Yes, it is simple. But here's the thing. If you don't understand this concept that we're going to dive into, 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10. We'll get there in a second. Here's the thing. You would think just the fact that we have when someone confronts us and we have some form of grief or sorrow, or will feel bad, you would think that that means that you're having a godly response, wouldn't you? At first glance, if you just felt bad, doesn't that seem godly? Doesn't it seem that way? It's okay. You can say yes if you want. Here's the thing. Not all grief, when you're confronted and when you're caught red-handed, not all grief, not all sorrow is created equal, and not all sorrow, not all grief is godly. So more specifically, we're going to talk about tonight. When someone confronts you, what has your response been? What will your response be? Will it be godly grief? Will you have godly grief about the sin that you committed? Godly sorrow? 
or will your grief be worldly? I want to talk to you tonight about those two things. Worldly grief versus godly grief. And Paul addresses this so beautifully. And we're just going to cover three verses. And you're like, praise God, five verses took too long last week. Amen, it did. So, 2 Corinthians 7, 8, and 10. And this is where we're hanging out tonight. Say, we're going to hang out right here. Say, this is where we're going to hang out. So, yeah, half of you are going to hang out with me. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Here we go. 8 through 10, are you ready? Are you sure? All right, here we go. Verse 8, this is where we're hanging out. Yeah, man. Verse 8. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that that letter grieved you, though only for a little while, or for a while, excuse me. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. Verse 10, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Say death. Death. Verse 8, Paul says the words, For even if I made you grieve with my letter. My letter. What letter is Paul referring to? Paul is referring to 1 Corinthians. Little known fact, before 2 Corinthians, we have a book called 1 Corinthians, and it is very good. Anyway, but that is the letter that Paul is referring to, and if you were to read 1 Corinthians and dig into it, and if you're doing our Bible plan, I hope that you are, you will get there eventually. It's going to be a while, but you're going to get there. Anyway, in that letter, Paul brought severe correction to the church. That means he was pointing out the church's sin and transgressions and their faults, and he was making them plain and making them clear, and he was pointing people to Jesus. Go read it for yourself. He was bringing their mistakes and their sin to light. When he first wrote it, he was concerned. He was like, I know that this is going to cause grief, but the beautiful thing was it was grief that only lasted for a little while, and that is godly grief. Godly grief only lasts for a little while. It's temporary. It was godly, and most importantly, godly grief led them to repentance of their sin. Not all sorrow is equal. So we're going to get into three main things, three main things, and maybe it'll be easier to follow than last week. Three main things about the differences, the comparison, how you know if you're experiencing godly grief or worldly grief. And I'm telling you, I just pray that as we dig into this, that you would listen. Because if you will, and you see where you stand in your grief, in the past, in the present, and when you face it in the future, you'll be able to tell, is my grief worldly or is it godly? And the truth of the matter is, how you answer that question says a lot about the status of your relationship with God. And we'll get there at the end. Number one, are you ready for number one? Number one, godly grief leads to repentance. It says it plain as day right here. But worldly grief, verse 10, worldly grief leans, leads to death. Excuse me. We use that word repentance a lot, don't we? 
You heard that a lot. If you've been in church a lot, you've probably heard the word repentance a lot. We talk about it for good reason. The Bible talks about it a lot. We preach about it. But do we really know what repentance means? Do we really understand this concept called repentance? Not to put it too simply, but to simply put it, repentance simply means to turn. Maybe you've heard that. Repentance means to turn away from sin. Turn away. It means you are headed in one direction. You are headed in one direction, living a life of sin, going your own way. But then the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin. You surrender. You ask for forgiveness. You turn towards God. And then you follow Him and you go His way. That's a really quick, simple explanation of repentance. But I believe sometimes the best way to learn what something is is to learn what it is not. Are you with me? Are you awake? Okay, just making sure. I haven't done that in a while. You deserve it. Repentance is not. Six things repentance is not. Are you ready? I don't care. All right. Number one, repentance is not trying to cover up or deny sin. That's not repentance. It's not trying to cover up, trying to deny sin. That's what someone who's experiencing a worldly grief, a worldly sorrow would do. Godly sorrow, godly grief, causes you to fess up and take ownership of your wrongs because no one else made you do it. Am I right? Have you ever used that one? Well, so well, well, Jimmy made me do it. You remember those days? Some of y'all still talk like that. Anyway, number two. Number two. Repentance is not people trying to blame their sin on someone else. Those things go hand in hand, right? When we truly repent, we fess up to our sin. That's true repentance. Here's the thing. One day, you're going to stand before God, Romans 14, 12. You're going to have to give an account for your life. And you're not going to be able to pull someone else beside you and say, you know, my life of unrepentance, my life of worldly grief was because of my father. Or because of my ex-girlfriend or boyfriend, they just hurt me so bad. Or this, or that. We could go on and on, right, all day long. That's not how it works. That's worldly grief. It leads to death. Number three, repentance does not downplay sin. Someone who's experiencing worldly grief, they want to downplay how bad it is what they did, right? Say things like this, it could have been worse. I could have went farther with it. It really just, you know, it really just wasn't that bad. It wasn't that big of a deal. If that's you, if you're trying to downplay your sin, you are experiencing worldly grief. Repentant people understand that all sin is evil. All sin is evil. And all sin is an offense to God. Number four, what repentance is not. Repentance is not trying to manage sin, just trying to merely control it. Let me explain. Repentance doesn't say, I just give in to this every once in a while. 
but I, I got it. I got it under control. You ever try to convince yourself that you got it under control, that you just slip up every once in a while, but it doesn't control you. I control it. I, I got it under control. It, it just happens sometimes. Here's the thing. Jesus Christ died for sin. And He died for us. And He did something for us. And it's so powerful. The promises are true. The truth of the matter is, we, Jesus didn't just die so we could just manage our sin. Jesus died so we could put our sin to death. To put it to death. Romans 8, 12 and 13. So good. Then, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the body, you will live. Ready for number five? Repentance is not pointing out everyone else's sin. We talked about this last week a little bit. It's not, this is what we do. When we mess up, when we sin, we start to think about how bad so-and-so is. How bad our friends are. You know, I didn't go that far. I'm not as bad as they are. And we talked about this last week. Our measuring stick is not our friends when it comes to how righteous we are. Our measuring stick is God. It's God. Go back and listen to it from last week. Not our neighbor. 2 Corinthians 10.12 says this. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. If that's you, and you're comparing, you're trying to say, I'm righteous because so-and-so is worse than me. It says right here, Paul says later on in 2 Corinthians, you lack understanding. You just, you just don't get it. Last thing, repentance is not, that we'll talk about tonight. Number six, repentance is not just merely praying a prayer. Key words, not just merely praying a prayer. It's communicating sorrow. It's communicating to God you're wrong. Is that part of repentance? I'll help you, yes. Yes, it is. You're scared, you're scared Jack. I don't, know. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. But here's the thing. That prayer didn't really mean anything if you just go right back to doing what you were doing. And how many times have you done that? Romans 7, the grace of God is something that we will never fully grasp, fully comprehend. It is bigger, wider, deeper, greater than you will ever know in life. In following Jesus Christ, you will find more and more of what grace is like. But Romans 7 makes it clear, grace is not just some license to sin. When we are tempted, we can't just premeditatingly say, you know what? God's grace is enough. And I'll just, I'll mess up, but then I'll pray the prayer and we'll be good. If that's you, you, you are experiencing worldly sorrow, you're experiencing worldly grief, and that leads to death. Worldly grief isn't fruitful. Did you hear me? It's not fruitful. It's good for nothing. It leads to death. But godly grief leads to repentance, which leads to salvation. Salvation through Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life. 
And salvation doesn't come to full fruition until Jesus Christ comes or we breathe our last breath. Moving on. Are you ready for main point number two? Are you ready? Okay. Number two. Worldly grief is almost completely horizontal. Horizontal. For all you geometry freaks out, you're like, what's horizontal? It's this way. Okay? Godly grief is vertical. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. I'm just being goofy. All right? What do I mean by horizontal? What do I mean by worldly grief is horizontal? Horizontal grief takes God out of the picture. Horizontal grief focuses on the things of this world. Someone who's experiencing worldly grief, horizontal grief, here's a few things that characterize that type of grief. Their, their grief is really about the effects that their sin has on their relationships with other people. We feel bad that we caught doing something that might possibly damage our relationship with others. And this point two, number two, horizontal grief goes hand in hand with one. Horizontal grief, worldly grief, only cares about man's opinion or cares more about, about man's opinion. Because the truth of the matter is, the reason we just feel so bad is because we don't want people to look at us differently than they once did. Are you hearing me? Are you with me? You might sit here and say, well, God forgives me in my sin and He forgets my wrongs. Yes, He does. So why should people see me differently if I truly repent and turn from God? Why should people see me differently if God doesn't? The truth of the matter is this, and this is a whole other sermon, but we are not God and we cannot forget. It doesn't work that way. And God really doesn't just forget, He just overlooks and that's deep and we won't go there, okay? But, in a sense, He forgets. And we as a youth group, we've been talking about family. So hear me out, family. Hear me out right now. When we mess up and when someone messes up and it comes to light and everybody knows, it is not... We're not going to have this culture where we cancel each other just like the world does. That is not who we are. But also, hear me out, person who might feel singled out, might feel angry because people look at you differently than they once did, maybe treat you a little different than they once did. Hear me out. There's a balance to this. We don't cancel people out. We don't, we don't hold their, their transgressions against, against them in the sense we don't sit here and say, you're guilty, you're dirty, but here's the thing. If you steal something from someone, chances are you're not going to go get to spend the night at their house on the weekends. Do you hear me? If you lie to someone, chances are they're not going to look at you the same way they once did. And you can say, that's their fault. No, it's, that's not their fault. If you're gossiping about someone behind their back, chances are they... They might not want to be your friend anymore. Do I need to go any farther? Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not that we hold offenses against one another, but if you're someone and this is who you are and this is what you're doing and people see it, they're gonna, there's going to be a check. Like Forgiveness is not restoring the relationship to the original state. That's not forgiveness between man. That is with God, not with man. We are not God. We don't have that ability. So someone, and this is just a sidebar, 
But if someone wants to just point their finger at you and say, you don't forgive me because you don't look at me the same way you once did, they're wrong. They're wrong. That's someone who's pointing at you and belittling you. That's someone who's only experiencing worldly grief. And that worldly grief leads to death. Are you with me? Number three, horizontal grief. Focuses on when we lose something dear to us. We've talked about people. Let's just talk about things a little bit. Horizontal grief comes when we get caught, and when we get caught, it might cause us to lose money, to lose an opportunity. Maybe you were one of those people that steal from people, and I'm sorry I laugh about it. It's just not something that I get and understand, but it's a real temptation for people. And you lose your job because you're a thief, and that's really all you're grieved about. Or when you were a kid, like the worst thing was when you got caught and they took your recess. And that's really all you were upset about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's worldly grief, y'all. Anyway. Godly grief isn't horizontal. Godly grief is vertical. It focuses our sorrow. It takes them off worldly things, off man, off things, off possession. And it just takes our focus and solely puts it on God. That is vertical. That is godly grief. Not on man, not on earth, but on God. Three things. Three things godly grief, vertical grief is. Godly sorrow is more concerned about a relationship with God than it is people. Because sometimes, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Anyway, let's keep going. There is no, hear me, there is no greater joy that you will experience on this earth. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you get. I don't care what you buy. I don't care who you marry. I do not care. There is no, I don't care what job you get. I don't care if you win 16 NBA finals in a row. I don't care. There is no greater joy in this life than God knowing you and you knowing Him. No greater joy. And you say, why does my life feel joyless? You just don't know how much God loves you and life is pursuit of knowing that. But anyway, we have godly sorrow. We love God so much and we understand His love for us that we don't want to do anything to grieve our relationship with Him. That means we don't want to purposefully abuse His grace. We don't want to downplay the severity of our offense. We don't want to belittle the cost of the cross. That's godly repentance. That's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Number two, what godly grief is. Godly sorrow, or what it causes, cares more about God's opinion Man than man's. In the end of all things, as I said earlier, it's not going to be you and your brother or your girlfriend or your wife or your boyfriend or whoever, your mom, your dad. It's you and God. And all that's going to matter in that day is what God has to say about you, not anyone else. Here's the question Whose opinion are you more concerned with? You want to know if your sorrow is worldly? Who are you more worried about? With whom are you most concerned about their opinion of you? Is it God's or is it man's? Number three, 
Godly sorrow is more concerned about eternal consequences than temporary consequences. Worldly sorrow leads to death. Godly sorrow leads to life. We see a really beautiful picture. I don't want to call it beautiful. That's not the right word. We see a really clear picture of godly grief in Scripture. And one of the most, well, not the most, but a very horrific thing that King David, the second king of Israel, a man the Bible says was after God's own heart. David goes out, and you can read about it, and you'll read about it soon enough in our Bible reading. He sleeps with a woman that had another husband. Her husband was off to war. He sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. Her name's Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. The husband is at war. So when the husband came home, or, or, man, I got to, okay. So David gets the husband, brings him home, wants him to sleep with his wife. That's what he wants. So that way he thinks that the child's his. Well, he doesn't. So then David sends him to the front lines of battle so he would be killed. Yeah, David did that to cover up his adultery. So not only did he sleep with a woman that wasn't his wife who had a husband, but then he killed that man, David, right? But here's the, here's the thing. Although that was horrible, nasty, vile, sinful, no excuse, this is what David said in Psalm 51. This is what he said. And this, this, is, this is in response to what he did. Psalm 51, 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Do you know why the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart? It's not because he never committed wrong. It's because when he did, his repentance was godly. He turned from his sin. And we see his heart splattered all through Psalms, which to me are pretty annoying sometimes, just to be honest. I'm like... Get yourself together, bro. You know what I mean? But then I look at my own life, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Psalm 51, though. Beautiful picture. That's right after David committed that. Are you ready for point number three, the last point? Are you awake? Mm. That's good waters. Glacier clear. I taste the glaciers. I do. I'll sell it to you anyway. You can't afford it. Number three. Number three. Here we go. I always worry that when I get off on something like that, like that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to leave. It's just, it's a, it's a fear anyway. So help me, pray for me. Number three, worldly grief lays in regret, wallows in regret. Godly grief propels you forward. Godly grief propels you forward. The Bible, 2 Corinthians 7, makes it clear that sorrow and grief is necessary, but grief is in a state that we are meant to remain in. But that's what worldly grief does. Worldly grief keeps you in a state of grief. And I've seen it time and time again. And it's a trick of the enemy. People believe that they're supposed to feel terrible about their past. That's what people believe, a lot of people. So here's the thing. They never truly move past it. They let it define them, and they won't let it go. Some people in this worldly grief, 
They live in misery for months, years, and maybe a lifetime. And these people believe that God won't forgive them, can't forgive them. For some reason, they can believe it for everyone else, but not themselves. And that's worldly grief. People that get caught up in things lost, things done, pain, hurt, regret because of sin. They get so caught up in it. They get so caught up in what they lost. Worldly grief can and will keep you from moving on from your mistakes. But here's the beautiful thing. God doesn't want us to lay in grief. God doesn't want us to lay in conviction. God wants, God wants you to go forward. God doesn't want you to think about what you did last week, every moment, every hour. God doesn't want you to think and dwell and let define the big mistakes that you've made. He doesn't want that for you at all. Godly grief propels us forward. Now, here's the thing. God does want us to feel guilty when we're guilty, but He doesn't want us to feel guilty when we're no longer guilty. Do you hear me? Godly grief leads to repentance, and repentance frees us from our past, and repentance brings about forgiveness, and that means we are no longer guilty. Godly grief causes us to run to the cross, confess our sin, be cleansed by the blood of Jesus, who doesn't just forgive you for the past, but He also forgives you for the present, and He will forgive you for the future. I say that a lot, but I say that for good reason. Jesus' blood doesn't just wash you clean. It keeps washing you clean. Godly grief produces fruit. Godly grief sparks change. Godly grief propels us forward because Jesus Christ blotted out our past. Are you thankful for that? So, in closing, wrapping this up, here's the question. Here's the thing. This is time to reflect on yourself. Not on your neighbor, but yourself. And to ask the question, is the grief when, I, when, when my sin is brought to light, or even just when you know you've done wrong, which we didn't really talk about, but that's, that was not the point of tonight. But it is the point at the same time. Here's the thing. Is your grief worldly? Is it godly? What is your response? And here's the thing. What will your response be going forward? Going forward, what will your response be? The way you answer the question, is your grief worldly or is it godly? As I said at the very beginning, it will answer the question and reveal the state of your relationship with God the Father. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace.